Hello there. My name's Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. Both in sea and freshwater, if food items from the regular diet of any fish can be copied by an artificial hook dressing of fur, feather or even modern man-made materials, then in theory at least, that fish can be caught using fly fishing techniques. Leastways, that's what Scottish fly fishing fanatic Alex Wilkie, or just playing Wilkie to his friends, thinks. And to prove that point, over a very wide range of species in both freshwater and in the sea, Wilkie has done just that, with the most recent and for me the most impressive of which being a £28 tote from Loose Bay in 2013. So why this fascination bordering on obsession with fly fishing? How did all that come about? Well, the reason I got into fly fishing was I was lucky enough I was the oldest grandson and my grandfather was like a fishing addict and I just got, took everywhere with him. And this time he was right into his fly fishing so he took us up north, over the north of Scotland we used to fish for wee wild brown trout with wet flies. Uh, I was lucky enough and all my dad up in the railway so I had free passes so we could go anywhere on the train and back then that was the way to do it. My granddad would take me to school holidays and got there for a month we'd stay in we bothies, railway bothies, right over the line. It was basically a paradise for a young boy, and he learnt us how to fly fish. Started off with bait fishing first when I was young, and then he learnt how to fly fish, and it just slowly progressed for then. I learnt how to tie flies, which was something I always wanted to do, I and mean, when I learnt how to do that, that was icing on the cake. So that's the kind of background into my fly fishing. I've done that for years and years and years uh, with my granda. Then my granda passed away. It was like rainbow trout fishing came on the scene. Everybody was into rainbow trout fishing. They were a lot bigger, a lot stronger. The flies were a lot more brighter, aggressive. It was taking kind of the world with storm. Basically, all the places were opening up fisheries and big mass of fishing. We were going for catching fish at maybe four and five inches long to the best maybe two pounds. That was like the whole grill fish back then. When I was a young lad, to catching something like ten pounds it was just kind of stuff you used to do about in Alaska when you watched the tellies and all that so that was what kind of got me into that and done that for years and years and years got memberships of boating venues and been out fish competitions it was absolutely awesome and then one day a good friend booked us a trip to Canada that was how it all started we were going to fish for the sockeye the chum salmon the chinook and maybe even have a possible chance at sturgeon so I thought to myself well I'm going to give this a a practice session so I was always fascinated with pike so I decided to give pike fly fishing a try because obviously they were the same size as salmon how I could handle them because I'd never caught anything like that before so I got all geared up for the pike and it took me so long to get in there nobody would really tell me how to go about it or anything to do with it until I went down south once at a fly tying show and I met a pike angler called Ricky Valerie who showed me how to tie the pike flies and I never really looked back for then, I don't know ideas, I knew exactly the waters I was going to fish, I knew where the pike would be, I just didn't know how to tackle it. But once I had these pike flies, and it was awesome, and that's what turned me into the pike fishing, and now it's a fascination. Now, something I've only done for the practice for Canada, is now it's, means everything to me, it's, that's what I do now, it's, it's actually awesome. And then from there on, the Canada trip, that was what got me hooked on different species, and I was catching all these fish, and felt the, the way they sturgeon pull. That was just another thing, it ticked a box, something I wanted to do, so I gave myself up and I came back from Canada. First of all, to take it off for the pike. 
who I left before I went to Canada and also to try and fish for as many species as possible and that's the kind of things that done it but also caught a carp on the fly once obviously a fluke, I was fishing for trout and as I retrieved my damsel fly right up to the, the edge of the, the water I was just about to lift off to cast a big carp came and just grabbed my damsel and shot off I had that fish on for, oh it was insane Done for maybe 40, 50 minutes playing that on a 6 feet rod believe it or not, 4 pound line <laughs> I eventually got the carp in and it weighed 24 and a half pound and the Scottish record at that time for bait carp was only 25 pound but we never claimed anything but it was just a, an awesome thing and that was another thing that got me thinking about why just limit myself to target trout that's what made me go for other species and this is why I've got this fascination with anything I fish for I'll try and at least try to catch it on the fly and I'll always give it a good go but there's been no really many fish I've actually fished for and, and no actually had them because it's if they've never seen it before a lot of the fish at least they don't get spooky they just, they just grab it first chance and then on the sea fishing scene well, the sea fishing side, it was what it was, was my, the same mate it introduced us to the Canada. He was a really good friend, Stephen Reed. He had an article to do for one of the five fishing magazines. It was Pork on the Fly. And he asked me if I would be interested in going. Alan Nevington actually set it up. I mean, I was, oh, I'll have a go at that. So I, I tied all the, the flies up to go and went out and we smashed it. Um, the first day I just used my bog standard pipe patterns. I used on the pike, maybe scaled down a wee tad and maybe on some of them in darker colours and I actually smashed it. I, had, I landed one at 10.4, I had a 9.5, I had an 8. I don't know how many 6s I had and I got smashed up four times but one with a really, really big fish. It was The rod was maxed out and the £25 seagull broke on me and that was addiction straight away and that's how basically I met Ian and Matt Burrett. For that trip, I just needed to go back and keep doing it. And I had a couple of years at that for the pot, but I'd always a fascination talking to Matt about top on the fly. Before we look more closely at that top, can we first look in more finer detail at some of what you've already touched briefly on here? A good way of doing this might perhaps be to look at freshwater and saltwater fly fishing separately, starting in freshwater and with the fish you mainly target there, that being the pike. Well, for me, pike fly fishing is the whole grail for, for my fishing. It's what I do. It's what I love doing. There's, there's nothing going to ever match that. It's just so passionate. The pike itself is an awesome creature. In some of the lakes you'll go, you'll have loads and loads of, of fish, but it's always hard to catch the bigger ones, the 20 pound plus and, and sometimes the 30s. They're really, really, really hard fish, and that's what it kind of brings it up. That's what, what does it for me. The fishing itself... It's just a journey, it's an adventure when you're going for the pike and the fly. You've got to be there at the right time, right feeding, there's so much things that come into it. What size of fish they're feeding on, they're just no as easy to catch as everybody reckons, they think they're gun-ho. You'll get, maybe get a short period of time with pike fly fishing that you'll catch good success, possibly after they're spawned. And this is the, the bonus time, but the rest of the time you're, you're fishing because you love it. It's the, the kick you get out of it, you're fishing for bites most of the year and obviously if you catch the big ones you catch them apart from that time of the year after they're spawned when they're relatively easy to catch. The tackle I use for um, pike fly fishing is I use a 10 weight rod. My rod's a CGXI2 9 foot for a 10 weight. The reel I use is kind of 
they don't really get runs as in ripping into the back of the pike. I've had sometimes they do it, but most of all, it's short range work, especially from boats. Um, we target them on boats, so the real I'm looking for is just a big large arbor, so it gets real pick up a line quite quick. Um, a decent drag on it because obviously you're building the fish in. Not often you get runs into the back, and if you're running into the back and you're not playing them right, you really need to be hard on these, these big fish, you want them to go back right. The fly line we use, we use different fly lines, but I'll use a kind of intermediate shooting head. It covers all ranges, you can let it sink down, deeper to target deeper fish, and you can fish it relatively fast on the top layers, and that'll take your fish in close. But also floating lines come into it as well, when they line up, stacked up in shallows. Floating lines that can be a good line. With a setup, I use 25 pound Seagar, for a carbon. I use a trace about between 5 and 6 foot in length and onto that on the business end I use wire, surflon, supreme and I use about roughly 2 foot attached to that with the Albright knot so it's an inline knot, it's running right through, there's no hinges or anything to get in the road, it's just a small knot and at the fly end I use a Rapala knot to attach the fly and I just change my flies and change my leader to go I don't muck about with swivels and split lines and all this nonsense um, changing leaders because when you're catching jacks your leader gets trashed anyway you just need to retie it there's no easy way out it and always check your leader because you don't ever know when a big one's going to come along I've been caught a couple of times where one time I went into a bay and it was like the last out to go with to leave for a certain time and my friend says right we've got an out to go we'll go into this bay and I had a, a wind knot on my line stupidly I says, okay, it's only the last hour. I've been fishing all day and with a few decent fish, so I says, right, we'll fish it out with this. And sure as hell, third or second cast into that bay, I had a monster came and took me and just broke me like a twig. And guess what it broke? Right on the wind line. And it sent a shiver down my spine. No, never again will I ever compromise my setup with knots. Just every now, if I think my leader's a bit short or I think it's even... Anything that doesn't look right, it gets changed. I just take the extra couple of minutes and just sit back and change it. The fish will still be there when we come to it. And that's mostly for the setup on the pike fly fishing. Flies tend to change throughout the year for all different reasons. Different types of water, different colours of flies. It's just quite intense. Like if you get clear waters, you want to get nice natural flies and also bright flies can also work. If you get dark water... I recommend darker flies, maybe a bit bigger. But that's the sort of scenario. They range from 9 inches to 4 inches, the flies. Different colours. My favourite's red and white. I love red and white. It just screams fish. And also, perch patterns is another favourite. Especially when they're hard on perch. At certain times of year when the perch are all showed up. A 4 inch perch pattern. You can't beat it. The fishing itself, it's all about getting out. It's not about targeting big fish. The big fish will come if you put the hours in. Pike fish is more about putting hours in. You hear all this, these gurus talking about oh, they're the greatest casters and fishermen, but to me it's about finding fish. You can be the best caster in the world, you can be the best fly tire in the world, but if you can't find the fish, you have no success. It's all about finding fish. Watercraft, no when they're going to be at certain times of year, with either winds, temperatures, all loads of different scenarios. You just need to keep on looking. Another thing that fascinates me is a lot of people I've seen targeting pike, they go for deep water and pull 
high D lines in. I've never really had much success doing that. I've caught my odd fish like everybody else, but to me, pike in deep water, they're in there for a reason. It's probably to be left alone or sulk. I wouldn't say they were feeding fish unless the water temperature's so high they've got to go in there for cool. To me, when they're in the shallow waters, they're in there for one reason and it's just for eating, for food. That's it. Bottom of the line, so that's where I would target. Shallow water, drop-offs going on to shallow water. Any places you can get shallow water into deep water pretty fast, that's pike having. It means they can get in and get out as quick as they can. So if you can find these places on your lakes and reservoirs, you'll do really well. Instead of targeting big deep holes and gullies, they'll have pike in them at certain times, but most times the pike will just be sitting there. You think there won't be a pike in it, they'll be lying deep in there. But when they come into the shallows, that's when they'll be feeding. That's the kind of the scenario in the pike fly fishing. Any particularly memorable fish or catches? Oh, for days where I've had over 50 fish in one day. 50 pike on the fly, 12 hour session, just battering them. Battering them, maybe not so much bigger fish. Had them up to 15 pounds that day. But for big fish, the scenario with the big fish is, if you're going out there and you're catching... X amount of jacks, you're not going to get a big fish. It's as simple as that. The big fish predate on the wee fish. So when you go out there that day and you catch nothing to start off with, that's the day it gets me excited. I get really, really focused in and channeled in because they're the days you can get the big ones because when the big ones are mauling about, the wee ones are undercover, they're hiding, they're not interested in feeding because they know they could be the next thing on the menu. As for loads of fish, I don't really specify in, in targeting jacks and loads of fish, but if it comes, it's fishing. They, they come, and I thoroughly enjoy it. My kind of heart sinks a bit when I start getting into crazy amounts of jacks because I know deep down it's possibly the big guy's not going to happen. And obviously they, you go through a lot more tackle. The jacks wreck your flies, they wreck your leaders, you're changing this notable wire you go through. That particular day, believe it or not, when I caught the 50 smaller fish in the day, I went through a full spool and a bit of soft one. So that just shows you they're just... The jacks really, really wreck your soft one. As in big fish, I've had quite a few big fish. I can't really remember. I've had possibly 50, maybe over 20. It's getting on there anyway. I've had two over 30 on the fly over maybe the last four or five years. Some days I've had up to maybe three, four 20s in a, in a day. My best day was ever was I had five fish over 90 pounds and the first fish was a three pounder. I had a 32, a 28 and a half, and two over 15 that day. That was insane. But my biggest fish on the fly, Pike, was a fish at 32 pounds. It was quite a stunning fish, and the time I caught it was August time as well, so it would, had been spawned and it just had mended, so it wasn't at its full potential. I reckon that fish could have possibly went in the winter. Who knows, it could have been 38 maybe even 40 with food in this particular lot we caught it in. I've caught loads and loads of fish over 25. I've had them 29, 28s, I've had a few 27s, 26s, all on the fly, but it's really more about the weight. It's, it's mostly the stunning beauty of the fish. If you're catching a minted fish that's never been caught before, 20 pounds was thin perfect. That beats a fish that's been caught six and seven times and went all raggedy and started going back. For me it is anyway, it's all about the beauty of the fish and the picture. But most important is about having, enjoying the time. There's so many anglers go out focused on just catching big fish and they forget about the, the crack. They only look at the picture back and say, oh look at that fish, but when we go out 
we have a roll about it's a tear up before we go out we just laugh and joke and relax and that, I think that's what brings big fish on as well there have been so many times pike fishing they've had so much laughs one time I was out fishing and it was that time of year when you knew you were quids in for a, a big fish the big fish were knocking about we had some and me and my friend Stu approached this island and um, I made the cast and I had two pulls on the line and this thing came up it was a big fish and it took my fly, I let it eat it, struck it, the fish was on, got a one run out it, and the next thing the line went slack. So I thought that the fish had obviously just spat the hook, brought it in and it snapped my fly line. I had a, a midge tip on and I was left with a foot of the midge tip left, and another nine foot away. Unbelievable. That's the kind of things that stick with you through fishing. Every time I approach that island, we talk about that time. And he keeps on winding me up saying, oh, that was a 40-punner. It gets bigger every year or every time we go there. And that's what fishing's all about. It's just having some good times with good friends. And if you catch the fish, the fish come. You've got to put the hours in, but there's no easy way about it. You just don't expect to turn up there and catch fish. It doesn't matter how good you are or how good you think you are. you just got to put the hours in. What about all the freshwater species? Chub are often caught by trout fishermen and sold to a perch, and there's a growing interest also these days in fly fishing for carp. But what about any of the other species we haven't mentioned yet? Fish I've caught in the fly fish water, I've had carp up to £24.8, I've had pike £32, I've had rainbow trout up to £18, I've had some big brownies up to just £9, I've had some slunkers of perch up to 2 and a half. I've also had roach good size roach over a pound on the fly Atlantic salmon I've not had big ones but I've had them 10 pounds and I've had landlock salmon 15 pounds on the fly I've had a few of them that's the kind of fish I've had I've also targeted um, barbo on the fly I've had barbo on the bait but one time my good friend took me down to do the barbo on the fly it was only one shot I had at it and we fished in the swim for the barbo they were chub and the barbo on the swim we caught them with the, the bait first and we knew they were there so we went down and what I'd done was I just set grayling tactics up. Heavy, heavy bugs, short line, I think I'd something like 15 pound line, really robust line, and we just basically bugged for them. We just dropped them into the channel and bugged them down and I hooked a barbell. It was a monster. I did hang on for God knows how long. Massive runs, big head shakes, bounced to the ground, which I thought was nearly, the fish was nearly done. My rod was arced over, doubled in half. My friend was coming with the net. All I had to do was get him over the ledge. He was a huge, huge fish. I reckon it was a double-figure barbo anyway. As I tried to get him over the, the ledge, as I say, the fish was almost beat. And I just tried to pull him over the ledge, and he just shot right along the ledge, and he broke me off. Never snapped me. Broke me off on my line. The rock cut through the line and lost him. I was absolutely gutted. He was a belter. That was my first and only chance at the barbo. So they can definitely be done on the fly if you get the tactics right. If you get them sitting up, and you get them eating. If you're running near big heavy bugs, big hairs eared bugs, they're going to have it. But getting them in is a different scenario. If you, maybe we had a, a gravel bed, maybe be a different ball game, but that particular bit, it was about a three and a half foot drop off into about nine foot, my channel running down the river bed, and they were all lying in there. It was a big kind of slack water going into a current through the channel, and they were there in numbers. I reckon we had about four or five that day on the bait, up to about six pounds. Yeah, nothing too big, but I was always wanting to go back and do that again. I'll need to. So, a thing in my hat list, I'll need to go back and get a barbell on the fly. 
because it's definitely something that really inspired me but there's that many things to fish for you just take the next one coming along and just give yourself up for that perch just smaller flies for perch I've caught them with trout flies I've actually caught them with pike flies as well fishing for pike I've had big perch come up and take me roach we just scale down with wee nymphs tungsten beaded nymphs in a bung and just get the roach feeding and just drop the, the bung and then you, you catch your roach for fun it's just having to go through them to get big ones as I said before, we've not got really many coast fish in Scotland that we can actually target and fly. Most of the fish are here, coast fish, are basically coast fishes and they don't let you fly fish unless you go to canals, but most of them are kind of wiped out now. But as for like trout, I've caught most of the species of trout. Your golden, your tigers, your blues, so I've kind of done that scenario. When I was a young boy, a fedatic char, used to catch them for fun, fishing for trout. And one of the locks I fish for lock trig. One fish you didn't mention there, and I'm particularly glad you didn't mention it, is the Welsh catfish. But I know you've even sorted out how to catch those during a recent visit only the other week in July 2013, with success on the River Ebro in Spain. Well, the Ebro's like a special place to me. It's um, something I've always wanted to do was catch a £100 catfish. That was the dream. That was um, where it all started off. So, another good friend, Callum, he booked a trip up. There were four went out and to do this £100 catfish. The first trip was absolutely incredible. It was like paradise. We hooked up an awesome guide, Lee Carpenter, absolutely legend in the cat world over there. He's won the catfishing world series twice and now he's really a really good friend. We took us out the first time and the catfishing was insane. I had um, three fish over the 100. My biggest one was 160 at that trip. It was a dream come true. And it just gave me so much first to go back and do it. And this is where I got me thinking about the cat and the fly. I'd seen things before on the telly, guys catching catfish and the fly. So I know, I know that could be done. I know it was going to be hard because obviously there are no sight feeders so and the water's kind of murky. So I know you'd need to get the game plan for that one. So I put it to Lee. He was kind of hesitant at the beginning. He didn't know. He's, he's never had a fly fishing background. He just thought it was guys chucking bits of feather about. So I said to him, we're coming out next year. I was going to bring my fly gear we could try it so he had open mind we went and done it so the next year we went out to try and catch these cats that year the people system was, uh, wasn't very good it was the water was so low there was algae in the water the catfishing itself wasn't up to what we expected not only that there was a full moon so that year on the cats we didn't do as good we had one fish for the four of us 120 and we had a few fish in the 80s and I think I'd five fish, the biggest I caught was 70, which wasn't good for the cats fishing side it, but what had happened was we had obscene amount of carp up to £35, I had a carp up to £35, it got that ridiculous that we stopped taking pictures of anything under £20, we were averaging at least 20 carp a day, in fact, because the cats had obviously predation, they'd switched off, they were not feeding, the carp just came on and the trip was made up with carp fishing, but I actually stayed out one night really this is where it all kind of kicks in we were watching it every night and every night we went back we dropped us off back at the shore to get the cat to go back to our digs there were catfish moving on the surface everywhere and I thought to myself this is going to happen I had my, all my flies set up my rod and Lee was kind of getting excited but the night I should have went out Lee says oh we'll just wait another night because we'll see how it goes and that night was, they were everywhere they were insane I can remember going back to the hotel that night and I didn't want to go back they were bleak falling the boat there were fish all over the surface moving 
cats splashing tails, it was paradise. So I went back that night, got my gear all ready for the next night, went back out there the next night, had all my sleeping stuff, my fly gear, everything was there. And we fished all day, we had a good day, and we dropped the boys back that night, and sure as hell, the koi cover came over. And there wasn't a fish moved. It was a slight breeze as well, which kept the fish down. But we went to our bed, say, at 11 o'clock at night, and we thought, Lee says to me, what to do is if you hear anything on the surface, might kick in yet. So sure as hell, 2 o'clock in the morning, started hearing the surping and the tail splashing. Oh, I was up, kid at Christmas time, got Lee up, we got all the rods set up, there were cats, no lots in, but there was an odd one moving in the surface. The moon was, it was out, but there was coin cover coming every now and then. So we got all the stuff onto the boat, went out in the boat, and um, I started casting. Never casting any cats because there were none rising around about us, it was just sporadic. They were moving in the distance, the hairs were standing up in the back of my neck, casting a slime, because you didn't know any time it could have came and they were all big fish, it was like big fish. And we knew that's how we were getting them during the day, they were just hard on the feed at night, and that's why we were getting the carp. But when Lee seen that fly the way it moved through the water, he was slabbering, he, he knew that this, this was a definite, he knew this could be done. It was every bit as good as his lures. He's caught them in lures and he knew what I was doing was, it was now just like chucking a bit of fluff about. So, we gave it an hour and basically what had happened was all the, the locals were around shining torches on us. They seen us out in the boat, we were making a lot of disturbance and it kind of unsettledly says, look, we'll just leave us in now and we'll come back in. So we got back in and we spoke about it the next day and he was really, really up for this and he says to me, what to do is, if you've got resources come out next year and he says now you can make me a film and I'll do a deal with you and we can fish for cats on the fly and that's what I'd done it was a whole year for then I just thought nothing else about it in the background Lee was getting areas all sorted out for it so July this year I went out to Ebro system to do a feature for Lee for his website make him a video for his website with fishing for cats on the fly and what we done was we started off we put all the food in the boat all the bivvies and we just went for the, drove up to the top of the, the river and we fished it all the way down, stopped off all his favourite swims, slipped in the boat, that was what we done, we just camped out and it was an adventure, it was awesome. The first day we were out fishing for carp because obviously the carp fishing, it's, you need to put money in because you need to pile the bait in to get the fish. Well, since I was going myself, it was working out too much. It's like 60 euro a bag and you're, you're averaging two and a half to three bags a day. So for four days, it was just, it was out of my budget to go over there and do that plus your, all the rest of the stuff. So we decided to fish for carp because the Ebro system's full of carp and you don't need to pile bait up. You can fish different tactics from what we done was we fished PVA mesh bags and we just ground pellets down in some hemp and different other types of pellets and we just sort of cast out and brought the fish in that way. So the first day we got out, it was just cats. Cats were on the prod. We were catching cats. I had six or seven cats on the first day on the cap gear. Had them up to 80 odd pounds, which was awesome. The weather was kind of hot, up to 40 degrees. It was kind of uncomfortable sitting in it, but what a first day. The next day, we decided it wasn't going to happen for the cats. Carp at that, but there were too many cats in that part of the river, so we had to move. So we, we went up sticks and we moved to another part of the river. It was a, a good cap bit as well. The rods were only in minutes and I got my first one. It was a nice £27 common. Beautiful fish. Some scrap. 
followed by another two or three. So we got the camp set up and we decided to fish through the night for them. Unlike the last night we did, we just we decided because the cat were on the move, we'll fish through the night for them. So we put the cat rods out, retired to the bivvies. I was exhausted out in the sun all day. My first, basically first day as well, I went to the 40 degrees. Set the, the rods up and I was in the middle of sleep, one o'clock in the morning. Rooms, the lamb's screaming off. I got up, hurt this thing. A hundred yards of line easy in the first run. And I'm still half asleep, shaky. And I said to Lee, this is going to be some cat, this. And he says, shut up, you silly bugger. He says, this is a monster cat you've got on. It's a big cat. But I was only fishing 14 pound line. And um, it was a two and three quarter pound test rod. But I battled that fish, played it for a full hour on the bank. Had it in, don't know many times I'd be back out. One time it was 200 yards it took. Unbelievable. And eventually it just locked up on me. I thought it was snagged. I shouted to Lee, right, we'll need to go out and get us in the boat. It's wrapped around something possible. I couldn't move it. I was putting so much pressure I could put on it, the fish wouldn't move. But we jumped in the boat and went out. And it wasn't snagged, it was just lying in the bottom. The thing was towing the boat. In the last bits, another 10 20 minutes, and its head bust through the surface. What a fish! We got it onto the boat, we got it back in, weighed it 144 pounds. Lee's it's the best he's ever had off a cat rod, especially on 14 pound line. He's had them up to 140 on 18 pound line, we have a year, but that's fishing so light. There was me in wrestling with this thing in the mud, getting some awesome shots here. Absolutely insane. But the trip just got better and better. That next morning, we went up, Lee had a place scoped out, it was a big weird pool. It averaged six foot in water, but a lot of it was about four foot, but there was an average depth of about six foot. There was a lot of slack water, there was a lot of fast water. Typical weird pool. So we got all ready to go up and do this cat in the fly. I was buzzing, because I, I knew my luck was in after getting that big cat in the night. I said, I've got to do this. We got up to the weird pool. We kind of took an hour to scope it all out on the fish finder, looking for holes, looking for fast water, looking for slack water, obviously. And then we made our plan. We edged in and fish started fishing for them for series. It wasn't long and I got my first pull, but because of the fast way the water was coming, the fast water, the fish was taking and swimming towards you. You couldn't get really any purchase to make a strike, so you're striking into nothing. And basically I lost that first fish. It came right up to the boat and had it on for a good, it seemed a good bit of time, but as soon as I tightened the rod in, the fly came out. About half an hour later, we edged up to a weed bed and we kind of put the nose into the weed bed and kind of beached the boat. And it was a big slack water with a channel, a fast water. So I said to Leah, good chance there'll be cats lying in the slack water taking anything on the fast water. And it paid off. First or second cast into the fast water, retrieving it into the slack water, wallop. And this fish took good and proper. It actually took the fly and run with it, hooking its sail. Fish about £25, water scrap. Powerhouse actually pulled us out for such a small fish, pulled the boat off back into the fast water, but the job was done, we'd done it. Yeah, we're all excited, we got some awesome shots, took our time, got some great pictures for his website, and um, we went back into the fast water again, fishing these slack waters, and within another 10 minutes, I had another fish on, which was a bigger fish, but again, casting into this slack water, pulling into fast water, your line does crazy stuff. At your end of the boat and at the other end of the boat at Disney. So when I was trying to hook this fish, it wouldn't. I couldn't get any purchase on it. It's swimming towards me. I'm striking. I'm striking. I'm getting a bit on it, but no enough to set properly set the hook. I don't know whereabouts the hook was set, but I know when I seen the fish, it was the the fly was in the outside of its mouth. It's never a good thing. I pulled the fish out and got it up to the boat. It was a bit bigger fish. 
it was well into the 30s, maybe even bigger. As I got up to the surface of the boat, just about to land, it shaked the hook, the hook came off. And then later on that day I got another one again, again in fast water, coming into fast and couldn't set the hook. But the day was, it was insane. It was, we are jumping about like kids, we'd done it. It was another tick in the box. So after that we decided we wanted to get my big cap. That was what his intention was, unknown to me. I thought catfish will do me, but he's hard to set and get my big cap. So he did sort of place in the river on the way downstream, scoped it. And it was a place called Snowy's. We stopped off in there. We got the bivvies up, put the rods out. That night, I had three before I went to bed, and then again, one o'clock in the morning, rod went turning off, another cracking cap, 20 plus in the middle of the night, cracking shot. So we all got ready, got a nice breakfast that morning, set up for it, it was insane. First fish, big 30, 30, I think it was 35 and a half the first one, followed by 31 something, and it just got crazy that day. We had 18 fish, all big 20s, big cap. So that was the coming end of the trip. The trip was done, and the last day we went out and done the video for the catfish. We never caught any that day. It was tactics that we we done the same again, but it was only day of the whole holiday. It was overcast. It was cool. The cats were only on the feed. The cats, the cat had switched on the day before. We knew. I said to the lady, I said this could be the catfishing finished because it, the way predators feed, they feed in cycles. They'll feed for so many days hard, and then they'll switch off for as many days. And when you see one flip of the coin is when the cats come on, the cap switch off. You don't get half as many cap. When the cap switch off, you know the cap are on because they're going, they could get eight. And it's the same scenario. We've done the video with me casting. We've got some obviously good footage of the day before on the cats, but the job was done. The tactics for the catfish was it was a 13 weight, 9 foot rod. I used a life and real life in line with a short leader. The leader was like 6 foot off 150 fluorocarbon crimped onto the fly and just changed my flies that way the flies I used was 9 and 10 inch the ones I had the success with was the same pattern it was like a kind of roach bleak pattern it was an actual pattern but had them tied up in bright colours dark colours but they wanted this natural pattern that Pacific day but it just tells me that it's going to be done next year I'm going back again and I'll go back every year until I get that 100 on the fly I just say still I need that bit of luck we got that last time. If I can get them and camp them out in the bank and I can hear them coming on feeding at night, I'm going to have one. The big fish, when they're splashing, actively feeding at night and I'm casting these big flies. And the way I've made the flies is they make a big splash. So when you cast the water, a big splash, it's like a, a fish in distress. And these things, they don't sight feed. It's all to do with vibrations and it's all to do with noise. So when they hear the splash, it's just attraction and you're retrieving it. They're going to have it. I'll be back there next year, and if I don't do it next year, I'll be back there as a season until I do it. Um, I'm really looking forward to catching a hundred plus on the fly. Where I get it is another story. But the confidence then again, I got that one at 144 in on on such light tackle. A cap rod, two and three quarters test. My 13 weight's a lot stronger than that. Only 14 pound line. I'm using 150 with a 60 pound braid core, so it can be done. I know I can do it. It's just a matter of getting the luck to get a chance to do it. The reel I'm using is a Nautilus reel as well, which is one of the best, best reels in the world, I reckon. Disc breaks, so it would stop a train this thing. Can we now move on to the sea fishing scene here in the UK, or to be more precise, in Scottish waters? Ian and Matthew Burrett have a long-standing reputation for fly fishing for Pollock around the Mull of Galloway, 
which I've experienced at first hand with Alan Hetherington and his numerous IGFA World Tippy Class records, all of which incidentally went back alive and unclaimed. Something I know that you've also had a go at. The Mall of Galloway for me is a, a special place. It's absolutely fisherman's paradise. It's untapped. It's only anywhere you'll go in Scotland where the trawlers have come in and ruined it. The Mall of Galloway is probably one of the only places left in Scotland. There's maybe a handful that you can catch double figure pork right off the rocks. Pork fishing's insane. It's such an untapped resource. There's so many of them there. It's hard to believe you can go out there and just batter so many pork. That first trip we had on the mall, I reckon we'd done a hunter easy, up to double figures. I've had days out there with Matt Burrett. One time I took my wee boy Xander out, and I reckon on a half session, I reckon I had 40 myself, all averaging the £6 mark. It was crazy. But then again, some days you go out and they don't play ball, but that's the magic thing about the mall. You go out for the pork and don't play ball, you just go and fish for the top, or else you'll fish for other species, or that many different species there. The pork fishing, to me, it grasps me, because it's similar to the pike, it's the same sort of tactics against a big predator you've got to get flies in front of you and aggression and it takes there's no fish, a fish for all the species of fish for I reckon the pork, even though it's a wee fish and a quite big fish, the pork for its size, there's no fish will beat it in its first run, it is absolutely insane, it'll rip the rod out your hand there have been times when you hook these pork and you think, mamma mia I've got a, a, a monster here and you bring a six pound pork up you just can't believe they can do what they do to your rods. And that's including pike, three times their size, whatever. It's insane, the, the, the species. But the mull, to be fair, there's so many different bays and nooks and crannies in the mull. For them to hide, there's wrecks or rocks. It's just an insane place. The tactics I was fish for the fly with pork is I particularly like dark flies for pork. Again, a 7 foot leader, 25 pound cigar, foil carbon. As fast as a sinking line as you can, I use a, an airflow depth finder. Awesome line, it sinks about 9 inches a, a second. Really, really good line. The retrieves I use is like a steady but slow, short, sharp, jerky retrieve. Just wee pulses and just hanging it every now and again to get extra depth. Also, a tip I would use MDMD for pork fishing. Mark your line. Take your line out before you go out fishing and mark it with a pen. What I do is I take my line out. And I mark my line and um, my measuring tape. So I do 30 foot. Usually 30 foot will be the head. So you'll probably just get three marks just by the head. They're usually about 27 foot to be precise. So you know exactly where you are. So you've got three marks on your 30 foot. Then again I would do 40 foot. I'd get four marks on hit. And that's just the, the markers you use. Because you're fishing over 40 foot of water. So you've got to realise to yourself. When you hit the 30 foot. You've got 30 foot. A line out plus your 7 foot leader. So it leaves you how much chance you know exactly how much you can let the fish go. There's a thin line of landing big fish and getting bust up. And this is the secret way of doing it. When you hook the fish, you've got to put the beans on it, but it's going to take you down and down. You've got to get some such. So when you hit that 30 foot mark, you've got 7 foot of lead, then you know you're almost near the kelp. You know you say a make a break when you're getting there. If you're fishing deeper water, you can obviously adjust to yourself. But it's a good tip way about where to go with it and fish the fly right to the braided loop hits the ring because I don't know many fish I've had where you're almost about to recast and the hang takes you right on the top of the you right up 40 foot easy awesome creatures absolutely fascinating as for different fish around the mall I've caught oh, obscene amount 
I've got cuckoo rasp, balan rasp, I've got massive macro, I'd one nearly three pound once. I've got all sorts of species. Third gurnard, I've got all the gurnard species. Cod, whiting, I've also caught scad on the fly as well. We couldn't get any macro and I hit this thing, I've never seen one before. Great looking fish, stunning looking fish. It just, it goes on and on and on. The more Galway for me is, I don't think you'll ever get a better place. I've been to anyway, eh, as for sea fishing. There's so much you can do, there's so much scope. If there's something's known, there's always something that's feeding in it. So what are your thoughts then on the IGFA fly caught tippet records? Ian and Matt don't like claiming records. They would rather simply release the fish. But surely there must be a way of achieving both aims. There probably is, but see, to be fair... I'm no one for records and that's the truth. To me, it takes you away from what we're out there doing. We're out there to have a good laugh and catch some nice fish. And if it weighs £6 on the boat, it's £6 to me. It doesn't make a difference. Records mean nothing. It just puts pressure on anglers. It fuels other things. And this is why you get a lot of the, the way that the angling world goes. Sometimes you get a lot of guys trying to do stuff and all secrets. And it's just competition. To me, it's, it's a bad thing in fishing. There's nothing better than seeing somebody catching a fish. But... There's all, a lot of things about the records. To me, you could do it, no problem. But then again, if you catch a fish around the mill and you break the record, you've well got to up anchor, take it all the way inside, much fuel does that cost. Then you've got to wait and then put it back for the record and then go all the way back to that. But again, take you an hour of your day's fishing. I don't know if it's worth it. To me, it's no, in my book, worth records. These guys, these set the records up. It's up to them. If they want people to claim records, they've got to make them a bit easier for them to claim. They've got to take skipper's words on them. And if they don't, it's their loss. That's that's the way I look at it anyway. It's their loss. I'm not going to get uptight about records. To me, it doesn't do nothing for me. But if they want to make these records and these goals, if they want people claiming them, they'll need to make them easier or they'll need to make them better. Because at the end of the day, if you get a captain in a boat, a skipper like Ian Burrett, and if he says it's it's what it is, it's, to me it's what it is. And these guys, they don't tell lies to get um, records. And they've been doing it too long a time. But there is ways you could do it. You could have a tank there in the boat. You could bring your fish in. But there's all sorts of things as well. If they don't believe the weight or whatever, who, who says they believe the weight of the line? If they wanted to do it, you could have a big tank, put the fish in the tank, take it in shore, weigh the fish. But I don't know if it's, if it's something that's worth doing that's just my take on it. I'm not interested really in records. Obviously, I've got my own goals and targets, and if I can meet them in my eyes, I know I'm a happy man. Now, for those that don't know, the Mull of Galloway at the western extremity of the Solway Firth also marks the western edge of Loose Bay, an area noted for its top, which are a potential target that I also know hasn't gone by unnoticed by you. I said to Matt the very first trip, he was speaking about Matt's fascination with tope and I asked him if he thought it was possible if you could actually target them on a fly and he said aye and it just just it was mind blowing the thought of it so when I got back home I started to think about tope on the fly and I got back out with Matt a couple of days later and we spoke about it he reckoned there was there was certain areas in Lewis Bay where the tope come in I don't know if it's a spawning thing, but it's a shallow water thing anyway, it's mostly males. You get them up to 30 pounds and there's literally hundreds of them. He reckons that it could be done in the right time. And three years went on for then, and we tried and tried, we did bad luck with winds and weather, and eventually it all happened. It was absolutely incredible for that 
three years it took us we just constantly go to it constantly thinking about tactics how we would get them up until the actual day itself it was just a roller coaster ride we tried it we I bet and bought a rod and we tried obviously the waters we were fishing and we couldn't target them in the fly because number one they were, some of them were far too deep we couldn't get lines to go down and obviously the tide in the UK it's just when you put a fly line down there it just doesn't go down it's like a big kite because the line's so thick the tide holds it up in the water so it never gets down to the bottom and if it ever did get down near the bottom you would have never have any contact in your fly so there'd be no much movement off it either sometimes you're using 6 and 7 ounce leads just to hold bottom in some of these trips but we did we used the leads and we put live baits on on the fly rod we just to fly everyone on it with the weight and we had a lot of good success with hope taking the actual live bait and putting them on the fly reel on the fly rod and it was incredible the fights were mind blowing ripping you miles into the batting and it was, it, was, it was actually awesome and that was what made me want to do it even more with the fly the, the fact you know having a weight on and just playing it until then the big day did come it was so intense um, I'd seen these fish coming up through the layers just one minute it was black sea and the next minute big fish big head and having a cast at that and seeing it chasing your fly and even mouthing your fly and rolling over your fly and so frustrating sometimes when you struck it into nothing it just let go or the hook wasn't in its mouth but to actually do the, the fish on the fly was it was like winning the lottery when it just came up grabbed the fly and just shot for the depth it was absolutely incredible I'm sure it was so can we get back to the start of this particular day by you giving us a blow by blow account of those years of frustration and how you finally turned them into success well the top on the fly for me was something that was, it, it fueled me up not just for the, that fishing but for these three years it, it was oh it was mesmerising just something I thought about all the time dreaming about this big bay going into this big bay and these top were here it just something that inspired me so much Every year I got a chance at it and it failed. I just knew it was going to happen the next year. Then it would something happen that year. I knew it was going to happen. I knew in my bones I was going to definitely go to do it. It's just a matter of time. And I've got the stamina to do that kind of thing. I'll just keep at it until it comes good. The actual day itself, oh, it was brilliant. I was like a kid again at Christmas. We'd come down, the butterflies were on and set the rod up. And Matt, they, they did a day with 60 fish the day before. So I knew everyone was in my favour. The weather was great. The, the wind... There's none, and I knew basically it was coming. It was it was definitely going. So out in the boat, um, Matt says to us, "We'll target them on on the bait first because there's a certain time of the tide when you can go into these bays. It doesn't really work if you go before it." So took Matt's word and we got the rods out. I asked Matt what kind of um, sizes we were targeting today. He says you won't get a fish over thirty pound. He says you'll be lucky to get one at really really lucky to get one at forty because the fish we were targeting was mostly small. So we're sitting down. We got the rods in. Sitting down getting a crack, my first rod shot shoots off. I lofted into this thing. The best fight I've ever had off a tope. Had it on for God knows how long. I couldn't actually believe it was a tope. It was so strong in the shallow water. Everyone was so right. The tides were good and it was it was a male tope, over forty pound, big male tope, big black spots, what a fighting fish. Couldn't believe it. That was my trip made. I said to Matt, God, that's some fish to catch out here. And he says, oh, unbelievable fish, amazing fish. So things were just getting better. I tried fly fishing off the back of the boat at that particular time with the tactics just to get my hand in, casting big long lines. But again, the tide wasn't right. My flies were only getting down. I knew this. Um, I didn't even have as much as a sniff. 
Um, we caught another three or four, maybe five top, and it was time. Time was right. Matt decided, right, this is it. The tide's starting to slacken off. We're going to the shallow bay. So we get all the rods in. We go into the shallow bay, and um, we put the rods out to see if we get the top. And sure, bang, top carnage. It was just hauling them in. Every cast you were getting top more 20s to possibly more 30s. And Matt said, right, it's time to get the fly. So we got the fly set up and Matt was drawing these fish up by a, a half macron hook. He was drawing the fish through the layers. My very first cast down, I was sitting ready with the fly with a fish possibly over 20 came up through the layers and I made the cast. The fish automatically switched right onto my fly, chased my fly, took the fly. I could see the hook hanging out the fish's mouth. No point in striking. Oh, I was gutted, but excited at the same time because obviously I knew they were onto this. Is it that couple of hours, you're only getting a couple of hours at this. Is that couple of hours went on, Matt? Oh, it was carnage. It was, every fish was pulling up. It was grabbing the bait and hooking itself. We're hardly getting the chances of them coming up to the boat to actually grab the fly. The fly I was using was a heavy fly as well, so you were getting limited time, as in like in the view it. With that particular day, with three fish up and three fish actually took my fly. One was quite a big fish, about the 30 mark, and basically it was swimming about with its mouth open. But I could see my fly, so when I struck, it came out. But the, the magic hour passed, and um, we never got the top, and then I went back onto my fly rod. I took my um, fly off. Because it just stopped, none came up, and I, I started melting them again. It ended up with 30 odd top that day, so I did to the boat. I don't know how many I had on my fly rod, maybe a bit of bait and a hook. It was insane. But that day, it was my best day in the top ever. Landing 30 odd fish up to 40 pound, but never got that one in the fly. I went home, gutted, I was, like a, I was bust. Just thinking, if only that one would have closed its mouth, or only that one would have had the hook in it the job would have been done. But anyway, the next day, I came down early, I was G'd up, even more confident, that this is my last shot, of I'm going to do it this day. I knew it was just a matter of time, just getting a wee bit of luck on my side, um, and we'd have it done. So the game plan was set, we went out to the out in the deeper water again, fished for them until the tide turned, we'd done everything right. Again, I got another two 40s that day, I had a 40 male, and a 40 um, female. No quite as good a fight as the first day, but, Amazing fish, some awesome pictures, and also catching another maybe five or six fish in the 30s, just waiting for that magic time to come in. But this time, we'd done the game plan. We thought about it at night, I thought to myself, why am I using a heavy fly when we've got a heavy line? The fish are in um, vision, we don't need heavy flies, so I opted for a, a more buoyant fly with maybe a big deer head on it, made it float on the surface, but also when you pulled it through, there's a lot of dispersion. I know the top same as a lot of predatory fish have got a lateral line, it seeks out vibrations. So this was what my plan was, the vibration of this fly come through the water and using the heavy sinking line to get the fly down rather than the heavy fly itself. It gives you more time as well, as in the field of vision. Before, I was only getting such a short cast, two or three pulls, and the fly was disappearing under the fish, where that wasn't going to happen. This time, I'd always on top, the fish were always looking up, it gave me a lot more time to turn it and Matt had an, an idea as well instead of using a hook to hook the bait on with the bud to tease the fish up he was going to tie the bait on so we put a hole through the mackerel's mouth and tied the bait on where when the fish were grabbing it they were not getting hooked so we are getting more chances to the fish to come up to get me to cast to them that was the game plan we were all set we were, 
we're all psyched up again for the big finale. Sure as hell, the time came again. The tide slackened, we went into the bay, put a rod out to see if we could get them in to find the fish. Rod buckled over, brought it in, nice top, that was it. Rods were all put in. Matt set his rod up, he's um, tied on bait and I had mine sitting ready for the fly. First drop down, Matt teased the fish up. There again, the fish shot through. I casted the fly towards it, it grabbed it. To be fair, through the day, the top were grabbing the flies. The way they take, they take at the back of the, the fish, they take at the back of the fly. Um, basically, the mouth, even when I was bringing them in in the bait, you were getting possibly three or four hits before they actually grabbed it. But this is just what they do, they, they feel their foods. So, as the day went on, the hour, an hour and a half you get at this went on, the fish were coming through, I was making the cast, I had loads of time, the fish were seeing it, they were chasing it, it was so exciting seeing these fish in the layers. One particular fish, we had, believe it or not, three times it took my fly, what it happened was, it came up through the layers, my poked the macro right out of the water, and the fish was looking, I made the cast, it shot on my fly, I stripped it out its mouth, um, it turned, to go away, Matt dropped the bait back in again, it shot over the bait, pulled it again, I cast again. This, to me, was insane. The hackles were standing up the back of my neck, it was like, never, 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 never. But, again, it, when it, it, I couldn't set the hook. But, the one that took the hook was absolutely, it was mind-blowing. I didn't even expect it, it was just instinct. Basically, Matt lifted the bait, right out of the water so fast, I've kind of fired the fly in front of the fish and two strips on it the fish shot over took the fly and shot down to the depths the only fish it done it that day hooking its sail before long I knew I was playing the fish I never had a chance to strike I never had nothing my reel was screaming it shot all my line out it was right into my batting I couldn't stop it and I was so scared that this fish was going to drop the hook because I never had set it my knees were buckled I was sweating I was saying oh don't come off Real now, what a fight the fish just never get in. Shallow water, it was ripping line on this fly reel. I got it in and I just couldn't get it in the boat quick enough just to get this claimed. We got it into the boat, a couple of nice pictures. To be fair, we, we should have took better pictures, we could have took our time, but it was just at that time we were just so glad it done it and to get back out and do it again. I thought this was a finale, I'd, I'd actually cracked the code. It was almost finale, it was that bad, I never even jumped about because the fish were still on the pod. We're only about 20 minutes, half an hour into this golden magic time. The fish went back, we got the pictures, and it started again. And by this time Ian came over, and Ian was there, and they were all shouting, and, and I was still focused because I was getting these fish up to the boat. They were taking the, the fly, but every time I struck, they were only taking it. They were not sink with it, they were just refusing. If I never struck, they were refusing. I, that day, I had eight fish that I actually stripped into. God knows how many fish took my fly. It was insane. A bit of luck, I don't know. The next time I go out to do this, my flies will be a different design. It'll all be done different. What about the Hugh Falker's secret weapon with its flying treble, or even a single hook set well back in its tail? Well, that wouldn't work with this fly because obviously it would restrict the movement. But what I would do was this particular next fly I was going to do, I'd tighten on a tube, a tube fly, with a single hook right at the back of the fly. So when the mouth it at the back of the fly, your hook's no restricting your, your materials because when you're using these big predator materials, anything at all, it hits them. They all fankle up. They don't go into knots. It's just because it's a synthetic. They need to be let free. But I've tied flies up now for the job. I've got tandems as well where a hook coming out 
middle of the flight and also a hook at the back. I've been thinking about it. I think next year it, it could be done easier with a bit more work. But as I said, that was my first shot at it. First actual crack at actually seeing the fish and knowing what it was in. And we sort of kind of smashed it that way. But now it's there for MD to do. The groundwork's been done. The bullets have done the groundwork. It's just a matter of getting the luck with you that day to go out and do it. And getting your tactics right on the day. And it's, it can be done for fun. There are that many fish in that particular part. It's just a formality. Final question now. What would be the ultimate fish for you on the fly and why? Firstly, in British waters, then fishing anywhere in the world. To be fair, on British waters, it probably was the top. That was the, the fish that kept me up at night. That was the fish I dreamt about. Now, I don't know. Now, I've not even got another fish for Britain that it gets me that uptight. Even for years, trust me, that £30 pike, that kept me up for all sorts of times. There were almost times I thought I could actually touch that fish. And I knew it was coming. I just, that feeling, that I knew that fish was coming. That was going to happen. I just, it was just a matter of time. It was already caught in the boat and the net. It was just a matter of time before it showed up. That's how confident I was with that one. The tote was similar. But again, uncharted waters, I didn't really, I've not really got a grasp of that kind of, of fishing I knew it was going to happen, but I just, I wasn't too sure. I knew it was, I just kept doing it until it, it did come. The now, I've not got any fish eyes in, like, in my sights now, because I've just done the catfish, that was the one, the target. As in, like, foreign fish, there's one fish that I'll, I'll definitely catch, striped bass. It's not a hard fish to catch, but it's just something I want to catch in the fly. It's my next target, it's on the radar, and that's the one. I watch programmes where they feed, they're just big, awesome predators. Stunning looking fish, and I don't think they're that hard to catch in the fly, but it's just a, a fish that I just want to go and do. But there's a fish I want to catch, and I'll do it before I die. It's a rooster fish, I want to catch a big rooster fish on the fly. I know exactly where to go for that, it's just getting round to that one. And um, There's so much to do, but I'll definitely get round to doing that. But the next species on my hit list just now is a striped bass. It's some that's always grasped me with its beauty. It's just a stunning looking fish. I'd just love to get a, a decent one. Maybe a, a 20 pounder, I don't know. Maybe up there, doesn't need to be 20, but it needs to be like, a decent size up there. But as I say, the albacore and the uh, bluefish, they would be well, more than welcome to catch on the fly as well. I heard the bluefish really, really, really fight. They're quite easy to catch as well. There are obviously going to be fish which for a whole host of reasons are off limits to being caught on the fly. The best example I can come up with off the cuff would have to be the common skate. A fish that grows big, usually lives at incredible depth and is a challenge to get up even on a full 50 pound class stand-up outfit. I've actually caught small rays on a fly rod, but like you in your early testing attempts, I was using bait on a downrigger to get it down just to see if the outfit could cope. No problem at all with the free-running top, but when the thorn back latched onto the bait, it was touch and go as to whether I could put enough pressure on to break its seal from the bottom. So it isn't particularly always down to the size of the fish. Body shape and preferred environment also come into the equation. That said, you've already had many successes in areas where others may well have cast doubt. So your final fly caught species list is shaping up to be impressive to say the least. My thanks then to Wilkie for sharing his exploits and obvious enthusiasm with us all here. 